Becoming a child of God requires being born not of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I, I like the way chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 present this. So I, I got to read this, okay? We're going we're gonna to read this. You know the story now because it's about Nicodemus. But just so you, we, we get it right here, directly from the scriptures, let me read it to you. And it reads, and we're talking about the new birth now. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher sent from God. For no one can do the things that you do unless God is with him. Check it out. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus, like most folk, scratching his head now. So he says to Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? Because Nicodemus is taking Jesus at his word. And he's trying to understand, how am I going to go back into my mother's womb to be born again? But the beauty of it is, Jesus lays it out so beautifully for us. Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. But then Jesus said, do not marvel at this. That I will tell you this. You must be born again. That I'm telling you, you must be born again. Don't marvel. The wind blow where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus makes it perfectly clear what he means by this. Born again through the Spirit. We must be born again. We become a child of God by being born into his family. Born again by the new birth. The new birth, as I read, is not a physical birth of flesh and blood. It is not born again through the will of man, but the will of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And then what I love about this plan of salvation, it says, For God desires that none should perish, but all should come. None should perish. We can't make it happen on our own. We must come to Jesus. We must come to God through Jesus. God, after the fall of Adam, God in his foreknowledge, being omniscient, God knew. He, he knows everything. He knew when Adam failed because he loved his creation, he had to have a plan to draw men back to himself. Not everyone's going to accept him, but for everyone that wants to accept him, he has a plan to draw all of those to himself. For the scripture tells us, those that God foreknew, he foreknew in his knowledge, what did he do? He predestined. And those he predestined, what did he do? He called them. And those he called, what did he do? He justified us. He made us right with God, with himself. And eventually, we'll be what? Glorified. I, I love that. 
but it's still free will. And I don't want you to misunderstand, brothers and sisters, that you don't have free will because sometimes when we hear that word predestined, we think, well, wait a minute. If it's predestined, then maybe it's not predestined for me. Let's understand this. This is important. It is a little off script here, but let's understand this. God in his foreknowledge did what? He did these things. God in his foreknowledge knew that little old Dan Morgan, a sinner from birth, and took advantage of his grace for years and years and years, well, was going to do what? Respond to the call when I heard the word. And because God knew I would respond to his call when I heard the word, he predestined me because he foreknew. That's how that predestined works. Not that somehow another God determines beforehand that this person and that person are going to be saved. Too many people have gotten that scripture totally confused. That would not be free will. And God says he's just. How can a God be just if he predetermined who he's going to select? The predestination is that God knew who was going to respond to him. And because he foreknew who would respond, he predestined and he called them. Please, please, please understand that. All you have to do is ask for forgiveness. All you have to do is come to him just as you are. Don't try to fix yourself up or make yourself ready. Come to him as you are. Look at what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus is up there on the cross and he got sinners beside him. One didn't believe in him. The other said, repented and said, when you come into your kingdom, he wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus said, this day, you will be with me in paradise. Do we understand the magnitude that even up until the point of death, God so loved us so much that he will accept us into the kingdom. Now, we need to understand something, brothers and sisters. Again, now totally off script. But we need to understand something. That God is faithful in chess. And his word says that there will be those who will enter into the kingdom as if they were snatched from the very fire itself and they'll be scorched on their backside. If God had taken me a few years back, though I knew him my whole life, I would have entered, though I had known him, but I had seen still in my life. And then for those, he says in the Old Testament, if a man serves me his entire life, and at the end of his days he reject me, that soul deserves to die. And that deserves to die, and that soul is going to be destroyed and not be with God. But then he turns around and says, wait a minute, if a man rejects me his entire life and comes to the very end of his life, and accept me, that soul shall live. And we go, how is that? I gave you my whole life. I gave you everything. Brothers and sisters, unfortunately, with God is not how you begin the race, how fast you run it, how slow you run it. It's he who endures to the end. It is what happens at the very end as you see God. See, that's why, brothers and sisters, it is so important that the word says that day that you hear his voice, heart not your heart. What that means is don't reject Jesus. His word says that he's long patient. He's kind. He's, he, he, he's merciful. God will allow a long period of time to pass by before he will call the person into judgment. He strives with us. And that's what I love so much. We all have a choice. We all have a choice. Are we going to accept him? It's okay if you take advantage of his grace. I'm saying that, and, and that may not be the best thing to say, but you know what? We all take advantage of his grace, so so, so you, we all take advantage of his grace. We continue to take advantage of his grace, and even those who come to know him sometimes, we do things that we want to do, knowing that we've not sought God about it, we're still taking advantage of his grace. When we do things we should not do, he is just to forgive us, we take advantage of his grace. 
what is so incredible about Jesus, our Lord and our Father, who is so just, he said, you know what? There's no goodness among you. You see, because our best goodness before a holy and righteous God is as filthy rags. It's also important to know, brothers and sisters, if you know God, you will have your works to stand for you. If you have no works and you're making it to the kingdom, believe me, brothers and sisters, scripture teaches that we'll have crowns and rewards. If you have no works, how are you going to receive a reward? Yes, you made it into the kingdom, but you have no works to stand to speak for you. So come on in. But you may be over there working somewhere. Was that soul who gave himself to Christ at an early age and was faithful and lived for God for many decades or years. Great will be their reward. That's what this is all about. It's about once you're saved, not sitting on the fence, because I sit on the fence for so long. I'm talking about Dan Morgan right now. I'm talking about me. We sat on the fence with lukewarm. I was lukewarm for so long. I was born to two Pentecostal parents, so I knew the word. I grew up in Bible study. But I said, okay, God, I, I, I believe in you and I love you and I'm not going to get too far away from the fence. But it wasn't until later in my life that I truly gave up everything. But you know what's so beautiful about it? Once I gave up everything, I had everything. The freedom that poured in was just so relieving and so wonderful and so precious. But those that truly know God, as my mother would say, it's inexpressible. It's hard to really explain it to you. Study. Show yourself approved. Get into the world. Under your knees. Praying to God to give you wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. I promise you, my brothers and sisters, what an incredible, incredible life. It isn't how much stuff we acquire in life. I've come to realize the stuff acquired in life, and God has blessed me wonderfully, it is meaningless. Just as we're told in the Old Testament, it's all meaningless. So, Jesus said that we're to store up our treasures in heaven where they don't rot. Yes, we need treasure here on earth to enjoy a wonderful life. And God never said that we shouldn't acquire those. He said he would bless it. He said, I know the plan I have to prosper you to give you hope in a future. So therefore, if that's the case, again, talking to Daniel Morgan, if he knows the plan has to prosper me, I can forsake it all. Forsake it all. What did Jesus say? He said, look at the lilies of the fields. They are more royally clothed than Solomon in all of his best garments. He said, if our heavenly father knows how to take care of the sparrows, surely he'll take care of us. Jesus never promised us our wounds. He never promised us our wounds. But all the scripture assures us that we will have everything we need. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging in the streets. I don't know that. 60 years traveling all over this world, I don't know the single child of a righteous person having to beg in the street. Not having to do it. Man, chosen to do it. But they have to do it. Through disobedience, they have gone down that road. We have to remember, for all of God promises through disobedience, we don't just automatically continue to get God's blessings when we deliver the disobedience. If you go back and look at all of the covenants in the Old Testament, they're a if-then cause. If you do this, I will do this. Conditional. But aren't we as parents conditioned to our children? He says, those whom I love, I chase We may be with the many stripes. That is, God may allow things in our lives that causes tribulations and troubles and trials. 
But even when he does that, he said he would give us everything to endure, everything to overcome. Brothers and sisters, we are traveling, and I have gotten a little off track, but that needed to be said for someone that would hear this. It needed to be said. So as I was saying, the plan of God for reconciliation, for redeeming us back to God, originally in the mind of God, and it was revealed to us by Jesus in the gospel. You can go to 1 Peter, verses 20 through, through 25. You can also get more about this, that is being born not of flesh and blood, but of the will of God. You can also go to Matthew, Corinthians, Ephesians, and Galatians. Again, being a child of God is not through physical ancestry as it used to be in the Old Testament with the Jews. That is, we are not a child of God simply because we are born in a particular family or nation as it used to be. See, that's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Under the Old Testament, you were covenant and you became a child of God through the covenant, following the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, and coming through Abraham and the Jewish nation. But in the New Testament, we have a new covenant through Jesus Christ. The blessings of salvation and the relationship God the Father are determined by the terms of the gospel, regardless of who you are or who your parents are. I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. And it reads, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Here we go. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve disciples. And he was seen by over 500 more people. Salvation is for the Jew, but it is also for us. God has no respect of a person under the New Testament covenant that we have through Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, that does not mean that we don't have the power to choose. We all have the power to choose. We have to make a decision. It is not forced upon us. We must believe. Moving on, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among men who beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. People of God, this verse clearly identified, identifies who the word is. This verse that is, that is, verse 14, clearly identifies who the word is. And we've said it before several times. Who is the word? Jesus is the word. That was introduced to us back in verse 1. Finally, we're told here that Jesus is the word and that he is the only begotten of the Father. So let's understand this. This person, Jesus, who existed before the world began, became flesh, took on human form, came down and dwelt among us so that we may know and see his glory. 
The people that lived among Jesus' time, they beheld his glory. The disciples, they beheld his glory. And this is best understood when we go to the transfiguration upon the mount. So you have Peter, James, and John there with Jesus. And then Jesus began to glow. The light upon him was so bright that they could not look upon him. And then Moses and Elijah appeared. But you see, Jesus could not walk around in his full glory all the time like that. But those three got to behold the glory. And then what about Paul? What was that great light that shone from heaven? That blinded Paul, blinded him. Physically, he, he lost his sight. Jesus appeared to Paul, but Paul could not see him because his glory was so great. You know, the concept of God coming to earth as a man is an incredible doctrine to preach. But if he's God, why can't he do what he wants to do? What, what, what better way could God have used to come to man himself to show people? And then uh, by, the, by the movement of the Holy Spirit, have the apostles and Paul and all the others to write the scriptures of the New Testament so that we have a written transcript. And for those who just question this, many people do, well, how do I know the accuracy of scripture and how do I know it's God's word? give you a challenge. Go to our website. Figure out how to contact us here. Go ye. Come in. Let's have a discussion. Can't make you believe anything, but we would love to just walk you through the scripture. We're working with a group of men now, and uh, one of the concerns that many of these men had, because they don't know Jesus right now, they don't have a personal relationship, but almost all of them, all of them stated they didn't understand this thing about Jesus. They didn't understand the Bible. And many of them challenged how this word of God is true. So we're going to begin over the next several weeks, walk them through all of these basic fundamental questions that unbelievers and people who may have been in the church and believers still don't understand. It's a terrible thing when we raise our children in the church. And then they leave the church to go up into the world, but don't have a basic understanding of scripture. And that is happening often. Over and over and over by the thousands, we're releasing our children. I'm talking about we, the people of God, who say we know him. We read the Bible, but we don't take the time to have Bible study study with our children. Dan, that, that's me, Lord. I'm talking about me here. I talk to them, but not often. On occasion, I will, but not often did we sit down to have the Bible study sessions that I enjoyed when I was growing up. Oh, they went to the church sessions, whatever it is that our children do on Wednesday night at Big churches, they have a lot of fun. There's a word preached, but how well do they get into the word so they know the word? I love young people and have spent decades talking to young people. And as I talk to young people, I'm just always just grieved by how many never got the basic foundation. And then we wonder what happened to them. And then we want to say, well, see, that's what they do. They're supposed to be saved or have a relationship with God. Or oh, we see people who profess Jesus. But they don't really have this word in their hearts and written upon the tablets of their heart. And so now, when people see them, the entire faith of Christianity get, get ridiculed because they see this person over here who professed the faith. Many, you know, Paul said, you know, you've been walking long enough. It's time to get off that milk. That's about giving a, like a, giving a five-year-old child a bottle. You should have given them milk out of a bottle. And you should have started feeding them food Four years ago, unfortunately, that is the way many adult Christians are. And I'm not criticizing anyone. I'm just saying 
that we've got to do a better job of teaching the people of God what the word of God says so that all the people of God can become what? Disciples. Because Jesus said to make them disciples. All of us should be doing some sort of discipleship. Okay? Brothers and sisters, it is a serious error to deny that Jesus possesses the full deity of God. And it is also a serious error to deny that he came in the flesh as a man. There are many, many other passages, passages of scripture that talks about this. And again, I encourage you to go to our website, take a look at the handout, and you'll see all of these passages of scripture. So with that, we're going to end our Bible study session for this week. We did not get through all of the verses as we had desired. We're going to end that verse number 14. We're going to pick up with verse number 14 next week. And so just know, brothers and sisters, that God loves you. We love you. And I encourage you to please go back and look at the other sessions, session 1, 2, and 3, about the Gospel of John. And I think to be richly blessed because those three sessions have set, have set the stage and the tone for this final session. Thank you very much for taking the time to view this. Thank you very much for being here. Be blessed. Peace and abundance. God loves you. And so do we.